The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning again. So good to be here with you guys. My name is Ibrahim, for those of you who don't know me. And I'm just a regular person at uh, Refuge Church. So. so, we will be finishing our series on community uh, group uh, this morning. Uh, three weeks ago, you know, we started a series to get us uh, to get ready for community groups. You know, but, you know, it's also a vision that we have for what community groups should be like. But not just community groups, but but for people in the church and as followers of Jesus. And so during the first week, uh, Daniel preached about, as a community group, we should be a group that sticks together and show the way. And the idea of that is we should be people who build friendship with each other's and also people who invite others. And then last week, uh, Pat preached on community groups should be about the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer, right? I mean, reading the word together and praying for each other is a very important uh, component of a Christian community. We want community group to be that. And then today, I'll be talking about community groups should be a place where we share joy and the sorrows of life together. And so how do we have fun, right? And then how do we help each other during hard times? That's what we will be talking about tomorrow. Before we start, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And as we hear from your word, I pray that you will give us Uh, You give me the words to say, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will be in our presence this morning. Thank you for this, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, share joy and have fun. A few years ago, when I was working at Camp Island Lake, I was a summer uh, uh, staff, worked as a counselor, and, you know, kids come to camp and they have probably the best week of their life doing all kinds of things. And then every evening we share the gospel with them, you know, tell them about Jesus, the cross and all that good stuff. And I remember I had one camper who, who kind of got what the gospel was, but he was resistant to it. And then I finally asked him, it's like, why are you holding back? And he said, because I don't want to give up baseball and football and soccer, and I don't want to give up my friends either. And I said, why? And he said, because Christians don't do baseball and football and all that stuff. In summary, Christians are boring people. It's like, what? This is a Christian camp. All the staff here are Christians. I mean, if you... To become a summer staff, a counselor, you have to be goofy. You have to, you know, 
just be a child, basically. And I said, that's not true. Christians are fun people. Look at me. I play all these sports uh, with you guys, right? And so we are not boring people. We actually have fun, right? And, and we have joy. We have joy because we have what the rest of the world doesn't have. We have Jesus, so we have every reason to be joyful, to live a fun-filled life. So how do we do that as a community of Christ? Paul gives us some ideas of things we can do to cultivate a community of joy in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 13. This is what Paul says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is what a Christian community should be like, right? And Paul is talking about community of believers. He said, this is what I want you guys to practice as a community in the church, right? And I think if we do these things, we will have an awesome Christian community. So I'm going to go through some of these things, but not all of them, because we'll be here all day. So I just uh, picked uh, some of them. So the first one that I want to talk about is love must be sincere, in some translations, it says love must be without hypocrisy. Love must be genuine. And an example I have of that is found in John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17. Right? And so this is, you know, later on, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, And he has this interesting conversation with Peter. And this is after Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus said, when they had finished this sins, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three Three times. And how many times is Jesus asking him, do you love me? Three times. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. We've heard of the Greek word of love, agape, right? Unconditional love. What is actually interesting is in the Greek translation, Jesus used, Peter, do you unconditional love me? And then he used the other form of love, which is the filial love. The filial love is having affection for other people, right? And so Jesus asked Peter, do you really, do you unconditionally love me? And do you love me like you will love other people? And Peter was bothered by that. If somebody in here comes to you 
and say, do you love me? What's your answer going to be? Because Paul says a Christian community should be marked by sincere love. Are the people in your group, do they feel loved? Are people in here today, do they feel loved by you, by all of us? Love is a huge component of a Christian community, and we must learn how to do that. And why should we love? Because in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And the reason we love is because everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you want people to know that you are disciples of Jesus? Let's love each other. And that's how they will know. So love is the first part of what we want a Christian community should be like. The second point I want to make uh, from Romans 12 is hate evil, cling to what is good. Hate evil. As followers of Jesus, we need to hate evil because God hates evil. Before the flood, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 7, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. God hates evil. And it's so sad that God regretted what he made because the thought of the human heart was evil in those days. How do we hate evil? Sometimes we just talk about, man, I hate these things are going on, but we don't do anything about it, right? But in scriptures throughout, we see God hating sin, but actually doing something about it. I mean, he wiped the whole earth because he couldn't stand the evil of man, right? And even his own people later on, when Israel disobeyed, we see God punishing them with other nations. God is always doing something about evil. And God did not even spare his own son for our own evil. And if God couldn't spare his own son for our evil, why should we tolerate evil by not doing anything about it? We have to do something about it. And I'm not telling anyone to go do something crazy out there. No. One thing that we can do is pray. Because there's so many injustice and war and so many bad things going on. And sometimes we are so far away from them that we don't even know what to do. But we can pray because God knows what to do. But if we are close to those things and we can do something, let's do something about it. Because a Christian community should hate evil. But that's not it. And then Paul says, cling to what is good. Is God good? Yes. God is good. Everything he created is good. 
He created us so we are good. And so Paul is saying, cling to what is good. And how do we do that? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Everything God does is good. God's will is good. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has created in advance for us. Why did God create us? To do good works. Because God does good works, and so he expects us to also do good works. And why should we do good works? Why is that important? I tell you why it's important. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. People outside the church are watching us, right? They love it when we mess up because they want to condemn us. And what is Peter saying? Do good work so that they have no reason to accuse you of any wrong. Isn't that awesome? Do good works. Because our Father is a good God. And so we can also do good works. So that when people see us, they know who we belong to. That's the second point. Hate evil and do good works. The third point I want to make is never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor serving the Lord all the time. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor. Favor also means intensity, zeal, sincerity, vigor, fire, energy. What he's saying here is just be passionate for the Lord. Be passionate in serving the Lord. Always be spirit-led, right? You know, when I first came to the U.S. and, you know, came to church, I mean, I thought the service was really cold, and I just thought, is that how Americans do things? Because I'm, I came from a high-energy service culture, right, where if you don't eat breakfast that morning and you go to church, you are in trouble because by the end of the day, you are exhausted. And then I come here, and I was like, I know these people love Jesus, but it's just chill. Is that how Americans were? And then my host parent took me to my first baseball game, and I saw Americans screaming. They had zeal and vigor. I was like, whoa, I didn't know you guys had it in you. And then I went to a football game, and I was like, oh, hit him, kill them. It's like, whoa, where did these people come from? So I know you guys have zeal and vigor. And so Paul is saying, be passionate for the Lord. You know, the passion that we have for football or whatever, have that same passion. But also that passion should be spirit-led. In Acts chapter 1 verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus commanded his disciples, don't leave, don't leave Jerusalem until you accept the gift of the Father. 
And that's very interesting to me because the disciples of Jesus have been with Jesus for three years. Jesus has taught them everything he knew. I mean, in John chapter 14, when Jesus was praying for his disciples, he said, Father, I have taught them everything that you have given me, and they have believed, right? So the disciples knew everything there was to know that Jesus wanted them to know. But still there, Jesus said, don't leave until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we need that. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry. Everything Jesus did was spirit-led, right? The spirit led him into the wilderness. The spirit took him to this place. Jesus was always spirit-led. And even Paul was that way, right? And that's how we can serve God with passion. Because the spirit is passionate about doing the works of God. And if we invite the spirit into our own lives and are always seeking him, we can have that zeal and fire and passion. A community of Christ should never be likened in zeal, but have spiritual fervor and always serve God. That is the third point. And then the last point I want to make on how we share joy as a community group is, you know, Paul says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Share with people who are in need and practice hospitality. I suck at hospitality. And I read this, and I'm like, but I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. It's like, oh, that's an easy way out. Because Paul clearly is saying, you don't have to have a gift of hospitality. You just need to practice it. Because during those times, right, before they had Airbnb and hotels and all of that, when people traveled, they were at the mercy of just strangers. People's homes were always open to welcome uh, you know, people that are always traveling. And the ancient Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia. And the literal translation for that is love for strangers. So hospitality means love for strangers. I know when I said hospitality, you are thinking of a big meal and inviting people. It's just love for strangers. Right? And I learned that the hard way because when I first came to the U.S. as an exchange student, my first day in school, you know, it was terrible. My worst day so far uh, in the U.S. And I didn't know what I did wrong, but I learned later on everything that I did wrong. Nobody talked to me. And I was trying, it's like, I thought Americans were friendly people and all of that stuff. No word. And then in my last class, it was a history class, the guy I sat next to, he was the first one who acknowledged me. It's like, hey, I've never seen you. What's your name? And I said, my name is Ibrahim. And he said, that's the ugliest name I've ever heard. And I said, wow, this day couldn't have turned any worse. Great. <laughs> so I go home, and my host mom says, Ibrahim, how was your day? And I said, I want to go back home. Because this is not fun. And she said, what happened? I said, well, nobody talked to me. And somebody told me I had the ugliest name. And she said, oh, I'm sorry about that. And she said, you know, Americans won't talk to you until you talk to them first. I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. I was expecting them to talk to me because I was a stranger. Because where I came from, if you saw somebody you didn't know, 
you welcome that person. You seek them. You make them feel at home. And so, and I wasn't receiving it. And I thought it was the same everywhere, but I was wrong. And she said, go talk to those people. It's like, I'm the guest. Why should I be talking to them? They should be talking to me. And she said, try it. So the following day, in class, I'm like, hey, I'm Ibrahim. I'm an exchange student. And that's how they started talking to me. And I thought that was very weird. The love for strangers. But what was different was when I went to church, my first uh, service, I was welcomed in that church. Everybody wanted to know me. Everybody wanted to hear my story. I felt at home. And that was when I knew, oh, those American students were punks because Americans are not that way. Because I felt loved. And that is what Paul is talking about. Love for strangers. The love for strangers. Right? And for the people of God in the Old Testament, the duty of hospitality came right from the center of who God was. Loving strangers is something God cherishes. Because in the book of Leviticus, and Leviticus was written as a set of laws for the Israelites. It's like, do all of these things so that when you go to the promised land, you can practice them. And one of the things God wanted them to do is in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1. And it says, I am the Lord your God who made a home for you and brought you there with all my might and my soul. Therefore, you shall love the stranger as yourself. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Love the stranger as yourself. Why? In Leviticus 19, verse 33 to 34, when a stranger stay with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. The stranger who stays with you shall be to you as as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am your God. Jesus is reminding them, you used to be strangers. So when you see strangers, welcome them, love them. Because you used to be that way. We need to be hospitable with each other. When people walk into community groups, they need to feel loved and appreciated. I remember the first time I uh, went to a community group. I mean, all the guys wanted to know me. And I came back to that group, right? When I used to go to school in Spokane, you know, usually on Sunday, I would find a church and then drive back to Bramington because I commuted. And the first church that I went to, nobody talked to me in that church. I stayed for not one word. And I actually got some looks like, are you lost Like, you might be in the wrong church. And I never went back to that church again. We don't want anyone walking into community group and this place to feel that way because that's not what a Christian community should be like. So show hospitality. Love the strangers. Love everyone. People should feel welcome. That's what a Christian community group should be like. And we actually have an example of this in the new Testament of somebody who was terrible at it in Luke chapter in Luke chapter 7 starting in verse 26 Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus into his home the first step of 
Hospitality is you invite someone, right? So kudos to Simon, the Pharisee. However, a woman, a, a woman who was a sinner, she heard that Jesus was in that home, and she came, and she wiped Jesus' feet with perfume. She used her hair to wipe it, and she, she just loved Jesus. And then the Pharisees said, if Jesus knew who this woman was, is, he will not let her touch him. And this is what Jesus said. So then in verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you how many sins have been forgiven, for she, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. So Jesus is like, why are you complaining? You are a terrible host. All these things that you were supposed to do to me as your guest, you didn't do it to me. It was somebody from outside who came and did those things to me. So you can't say anything. She loved me much. Hospitality. And in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, right? The author tells us, practice hospitality because you never know who you might be inviting into your home. Some people have invited angels into their homes without knowing. And we have an example of that in Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, very well, they said, do as you please. Abraham didn't know he was entertaining angels. But he saw them and he went to them and said, come to my home. He made them feel welcome. He gave them rest. He fed them. And Paul is saying a Christian community should be hospitable. The community group I go to, I'm always, I mean, Carol and Charlie are always feeding us. I'm like, man, I suck at this, but I love being around people who are really good at this. If we don't practice hospitality, I think we can start and we can do better. And sometimes it's not just about entertaining people, right? It's just loving people that you don't know. We can practice hospitality right here by seeing somebody who you don't recognize and just going and talking to him and loving him. That is hospitality. And that's how we can share joy as a community of believers. The second part is share sorrows. 
with each other. Right? In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4, it says there's a time to laugh and a time to weep. Right? We know life is not always easy. Sometimes as Christians, you know, we go through so much pain. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I know I struggle with this. It's like good people are the ones who suffer the most, and I just don't get it. But as a community, how do we share each other's sorrow? How do we share each other's pain? When people are going through hard times, how do we do that with them? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. This is not an option. Paul is saying, as a Christian community, you need to carry each other's burdens. And, the word, and another word for burden is load. Think about somebody carrying a heavy load. Paul is saying, don't let them carry that heavy load by themselves. You as a believer should help relieve them of that load. Carry some of that with them. Because we're not supposed to go through life's pain by ourselves. That's why it's called a Christian community. We are supposed to be there for each other during the good times and during the bad times. Jesus' disciples didn't carry his burden. When he needed them the most is when they deserted him. We know that during the Last Supper, Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, Jesus says, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. There was actually a prophecy in Zechariah 3 verse 4 that the disciples will leave Jesus when he needed them the most. I mean, after the last supper, Jesus took his closest disciples. He went to the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. And he told them, watch and pray. And when Jesus came back, what were they doing? They were sleeping. And then Jesus said, come on, guys, stay awake. I'm going through a lot right now, so help the brother out. Jesus left, came back, and it's like, you still sleeping? Come on. I'm going to take the burden of sin on me, and you cannot even watch and pray? And when Jesus told them they were all going to leave him, you know what they said? No way. We live together and write together. Well, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, after they took Jesus, what did, what did the disciples do? They fled, all of them. They didn't carry Jesus' burden. You know, we go through so much pain. And, you know, we, even when we come to church, you know, we have burdens that we carry. It might be the burden of a friend or a loved one, of a spouse. We have so much. But we're not supposed to go through that by ourselves. That's why we, we, that's why we have each other to relieve that burden for ourselves. And one good example of that is found in Matthew chapter 26 verse 6 to 13. 
And it reads, while Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were very angry. Why waste this? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Like she prepared Jesus for his burial. She entered into his pain and into his suffering while the disciples ran away. That's how you carry somebody's burdens. But sometimes the burden might be too much and you don't even know what to do about it. That's okay. Be like Job's friends. I know what you're thinking, but in Job's chapter 2, when the friends actually came to Job, they wept and they were silent for seven days because they didn't know what to do. Sometimes when people are going through so much, they just want you to be there. Right? I'm learning that the hard way. Because now I'm married. Whenever my wife has something, I'm trying to fix it. And she's like, just listen. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can fix everything. So, right? And that's what Job's friends did. And then they messed up afterwards. After the seven days, they're like, uh, you sinned. And that's why you're going through so much crap. So it's your fault. Don't do that. That's not how you carry each other's burdens. Right? Be there for that person. If you can help them relieve the body, do it. Like, like Paul said in Galatians. Care for each other. Provide if you have the resources. Or just be there for them. Give them a shoulder to cry on. And why do we carry each other's burden? Paul tells us, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbors as yourself. You carry each other's burdens by loving them. You do to them what you want people to do to you when you're going through so much suffering and pain. But that's not the only reason we carry each other's burden. We carry each other's burden because Christ took our burden also, right? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden of sin that you were supposed to take, Jesus took that for you. And he's still taking our burden from us. So if Jesus is still taking our burden from us, why can't we do it for other people? People that God has blessed us with in the Christian community. 
So we take other people's burden because Christ also has taken our burden and has continued to take our burden. But sometimes also, it's a good thing to carry people's burden because it gives you a new perspective on life, right? Because if you're going through, you know, if your life is just full of good things and nothing is wrong, sometimes it's even hard to focus on God. But if you have somebody you love going through so much pain, it keeps you humble and it reminds you of what is important. And so sometimes the burden is not even just for that person. It's for us. Because that's how God gets our attention. Through burdens. That's what a Christian community should be like. We should be a community that we can share joy with each other, but also share sorrow and relieve each other of the burdens of life. And I pray that as we start groups soon, that we can practice those things. And even in areas where we struggle with them, that we can ask the Father for help. We can ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to do it. Because I know God will help us do it. And we will have an awesome group. A group that is welcoming. A group where everyone who is a part of is loved. And when strangers walk into that group, they also feel love. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for being a good father. We thank you for community. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of a community. We thank you for blessing us with other people who are going through the same journey as us, who understands our sorrows and joy, who you have given us to be there for us and that we can be there for. And Jesus, as we learn how to be a good community, Lord, I pray that we will seek you for help and I pray that you will help us to achieve that. Thank you for this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
with in the Christian community.